All right, so we're going to do a little bit of uh, learning from the, the Gospel of Luke again today. We get, go into Luke, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke in bursts, and uh, we're going to do that again today. Uh, last week, we looked at in Luke chapter 5, and we learned that, you know, there are seasons to party and there are seasons to pray. There are seasons to just stop and rest and enjoy your friends and family and celebrate and be thankful and eat and drink. There's seasons for that. And there's also seasons to say, I need to, I need to bring some focus and, and bring some discipline around some things and sow into prayer and fasting and, and serving. So that was last week. I feel a little bit emotional. Eh? That worship was something about that. Eh? It was... Um, Oh, okay. That was good. All right. But today we're going to look at chapters, Luke chapter 5 and 6, kind of as a, as a whole, because they were all... Luke's a clever guy. Luke was a guy who went and talked to everyone that was around Jesus, everyone that he could find, and wrote down all the stories, wrote down everything, and recorded it. And he was, you can see what he's doing here in Luke 5 and 6. There's, there's, he talks about finding some, some followers, and then he, then he puts in there some stories about like Jesus healing someone and, and, uh, and Jesus um, doing things on the Sabbath that... Uh, that people thought, like, you can't really do that. So we're going to look at that uh, today. So, so here's how it went. So Luke chapter 5, it starts off with Jesus uh, talking with Simon, who was the fisherman, and uh, asking Simon to follow him. Simon the fisherman, who became the apostle Peter, gets a new name, and then he becomes a fisher of men. And then as well as that, we see that Simon's business partners, James and John, they start following Jesus as well. There's a story of, a, of Jesus healing a man with leprosy and then healing a man who was paralyzed. And then Jesus finds Levi, the tax collector, and he asks him to follow, follow him, which he does, leaves everything, goes to follow Jesus. And he, he became Matthew, the apostle who wrote the gospel of Matthew. Then there's a brief passage we looked at last week about fasting and feasting. Good day to be inside, eh? Then there's a parable about wine and wineskins, which we might just touch on today. We'll see how time goes. And then there's two stories of Jesus breaking the rules on the Sabbath in Luke chapter 6, which are all actually tied into him choosing his apostles, which we'll look at. And then we see Jesus choosing his, the, the twelve uh, who became the apostles, including Jesus, Judas, who betrayed him. So, okay, I know this sounds a bit like a, like a seminary class on, okay, here's the structure of the Gospel of Luke. And you might be thinking, Matt, if this doesn't get more interesting, um, I don't know, maybe I'll just go and like help with the kids or something. So, um, but a couple of things. We'd love you to help with the kids. Like, <laughs> like, like, there's primary school, just primary school last week. Over 60 kids out there in this. And it's like, they, they had to abandon their game because it's like... <laughs> you know? um, 
But yeah, hang in there. This does get more relevant, okay, to life. So, so God, we just invite your presence here. We're so grateful for, for being here. We're, it's just such a special thing when you come and you visit with us and you just, you just pour, pour your love into our hearts, God. You just remind us of your goodness. And God, I pray you just open our hearts, God, the eyes and ears of our heart and our, and our mind this morning, God. There's, I know that whenever we gather together and your spirit is here with us, there's things that you want to plant in us that will, will bring life, God, and, and lead us on into all you have for us. Amen. So Luke chapter 5 and 6, there's really these two big things that are going on. And one is that Jesus was choosing the twelve. The twelve that uh, that became the apostles. So, so we see him big, big decisions. Who, because you read about it, he said Jesus gathered all his disciples to him, and he chose the twelve. I don't know what that would have been like. It's like you know the the they're choosing all black squads at the moment, and there's the wider squad, and it's just like you know I don't know if it would have been like that or not, but but there was the twelve, and uh, and big. Big, big decisions. Big, big decisions. And um, our life has many opportunities, many places in it where when it comes to the people we do life with, we have to make big decisions around that. I mean, there's the, the big decision. Your significant other, your life partner. Who am I going to marry? I mean, it used to be that you just married the boy or girl next door. That was like back in the day. Or maybe it was, you know, someone that was in your class. Who married someone that was in your class at school? Yeah, a few of you. Yeah, good stories. But now, you can go online. You could, there's thousands of op- options that you could <laughs> have for, for dating. Who? No, no. No. <laughs> no. You have your job. It's like when you choose your job, you're choosing your boss, you're choosing your co-workers. Um, Jacinda, and, and Jacinda's back, my wife Jacinda. It's like, <laughs> did you get offered a, a welcome pack when you arrived? So, and she's been gallivanting around different places. But we actually were in London just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we went for a boat trip on the River Thames. And there was a guy that was up there on the microphone, you know, giving what he says. And he starts off by saying, hello, I just need you to know I'm an authorised boatman. And I am authorised and qualified to drive this boat on this river. And my father, he was an authorised boatman. And his father, he was an authorised boatman as well. And my son, he's 19, he's just become an authorised boatman as well. <laughs> so you're in very safe hands on this river. And all I could think of was, like, what if your father was a rubbish boatman? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like. But it used to be that you just did the job that your, your parents did. But now you've got all sorts of op- options. You have your church, which affects. Friendships and relationships. How do you choose a church? Who do I want to have alongside of me in my journey of faith and life? You might have flatmates. How's that going? How's getting a flatting? 
And you might have your best friends, your besties. Those that you decide, you know what, I've got lots of Facebook friends, but there's a few that I want to make sure that I hang in with for life because these are good people. These are worth, worth hanging in with. Just at a um, dinner last night with um, long-term friends, Phil and Nikki Bull, who are at church here this morning. They're part of Coast Vineyard Church. We've known them for about 35 years, I think. So, um, and it's like good friends. That then Phil just says, like, you know, we're going to do some more dinners and hang out. It's special things. So how do you decide these things? How do you decide relationships? Which one? Like, what do we do? Which relationships do we? Make sure that we, we focus in on, or, or how do we pick a life partner? And what we see in Luke 6 is a great place to start with this, is that we can pray. In Luke 6, verse 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, so that's all the disciples, and chose 12 of them, who he designated apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And I can remember as a 16-year-old at high school and feeling pretty alone feeling pretty um, sorry for myself because I just had no, felt like I had no friends. And I'd recently become a Christian and went and talked to my youth pastor, and he said, let's just pray together. And we just prayed that God would bring me some friends. And it was like within a month, um, everything just, just turned around. I've got such faith for like praying for people um, that uh, are wanting friends in their lives. Um, it's just wonderful. God just brought some amazing people into my life. You know, we've just hired a um, children's and families pastor and a youth pastor. And uh, as a pastoral leadership team, we thought like we went looking for a mountainside, couldn't really find one uh, around this area, so to pray. But we we did we did pray. The whole pastoral leadership team did a lot of praying and fasting with the youth pastor story. Um, there was two outstanding candidates for the youth pastor, and we were just like, well, who do we choose? One was um, Zoe, who will be here, who is a, currently a youth pastor at the Soul Survivor Church in London, working um, at, with Mike Pilavachi. And another young girl was from uh, Arizona, who was just like, and, and she was like amazing as well. And we just like, I just came to, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know who to choose. I need the God to guide us. I said, and so we met on a Tuesday night and we prayed. But then I said, could we all just pray? And I just arbitrarily said, like, why don't we pray through to Sunday about this and pray and fast or, and um, not for the whole five days, of course, but um, maybe morning tea one day or something. So, um, <laughs> but just, just let's just pray and see what God, and like I said, Sunday, at the end of Sunday, and then on Monday, let's see if anything changes. And on Monday morning, the girl from Arizona sent me an email at probably about 9 a.m. that morning and said, I just feel like, I don't know why, but I just feel like I'm meant to withdraw my, um, my application. It was just like, just the, the next day. Praying works. Praying, praying is good. 
So these were big decisions. And, and Jesus just prayed all night until he knew who his 12 would be. And obviously Jesus had developed this confidence and clarity in hearing God. It's God's leading on this thing. And uh, you know, I know for many of us here, that is a part of your your life, your way of doing life, is that when there are big decisions that you pray and you genuinely seeking God, God, can you show me? And I know I've done, I've done all night prayer things before, and they're not that easy. It's like I do sleep a lot. Um, you kind of, but the good thing is, like, you close your eyes to pray and you close your eyes to sleep, so it can look the same. So you, it, <laughs> but I've. I've like got up early to pray sometimes, and you know I've discovered you actually can fall asleep standing up and wake up ten minutes later, and you're still standing there. Um, <coughs> oh, that was loud. Eh? Sorry. You know I've um, I've slept when I've been trying to pray, and I've also prayed when I can't sleep, and it's a bit you just. Prayer is a good thing. I always invite God to lead me around important decisions. When we, we bought our, the house we're in now, we bought 10 years ago. And I can just remember again, just like, oh, what do we do? Do we, do we, or don't we? Big decisions, <laughs> big financial commitments. And um, I can remember in a stormy night in June, dark, and I, was, I parked my car outside the, the house, not in a creepy way, there's a little bus, bus bay there. And um, just park there, and you know, and just and just say, God, please guide us in this. We pray. And like many of you, you'll be looking at, you know, your your job, you know, job changes, maybe hiring employees, maybe dating. You may be trying to figure out well, which of my friends do I really want to grow old with, and you know, you lots of decisions. How does how do we get a bit of guidance from God? I want to give you this, a few things here, very practical things. And I probably have talked about this before because I just think this is so, so good. And um, there is just some great wisdom out of one of the weeks from the Alpha course. Hey, how many people here have done an Alpha course? Heaps. That's so, so good. That's really, really good. And um, we are very likely to be doing one later this year. So if you're looking around and going, hey, everyone's done this Alpha course. It's like, maybe I should do one. I would say, great, great idea to do an Alpha course. It's just, it just helps you to work out what following Jesus looks like in real, regular life. You know, it's just so good. So good. So, but they do a week, which they call, how does God guide us? Because, you know, they recognize us. How do you... When you just come to faith or you sort of hear that God speaks, but like, I don't, you know, I don't know how that works. It's so, so helpful. But, uh, um, and like, I know that for some of you, you may have been, you know, walking and talking with God for years and years and, and you, you, you do that and you're very familiar with that. But even so, this is so helpful. So you might want to write these down on your phone or uh, somewhere because, and it's, there's five things and they all start with C.S., Okay, the CSs. Okay, and the first one, and it's just, you can tell we've kind of, they've kind of cranked it around to make them all fit the CSs, but it kind of works. So the first one is a compelling spirit. And we read the encouragement in the scriptures. You know, be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. It's interesting with um, Zoe, the, our new youth pastor, who will be arriving in about six weeks, and her husband, Jack, 
with them, talking with them about this, um, about New Zealand, they just had this building sense of like God calling them to be stepping out of what they're doing now and into an adventure that he had for them. And, this, and, then, and the whole thing of New Zealand opened up. And they had decided that regardless of the, the job coming through or not, they were going to come to New Zealand. They just felt this, just, just this pulling forward of the, of the spirit to come and do that. And um, they're going to need a little flat too. So if you know of anyone um, that could help there, that would be, uh, be great. But, but this is what Jesus was doing when he was praying. It's just like just being led by the Spirit. Choosing his disciples. So that's one, compelling spirit. Number two is commanding, uh, commanding scriptures. So like, you might be thinking like, hey, you, you might be just recently come along here and you're like, hey, you know, I heard that you needed some extra funds for the children's ministry pastor. And you said, well, look, 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 I was just down at Oriwa at the bank and like on Thursdays, I've noticed that the security guys there, one's really small and the other one's really old. And, and that's when they do the big money. And I, I reckon we could take them. It's like... For the, for the kingdom of God. And what do you think, Matt? I'm like, well, let's get the Bible out, shall we? And you shall not steal. You know, we've got these scriptures so, so helpful for us. Just to guide us into what is good and beautiful and right and true. And also to warn us away from things that will uh, take us down paths that will, you know, are unhelpful and ungodly for us. So commands of scriptures. Psalm 119 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The third one, the third CS is the council of the saints. You know, Kiwis are DIYers, aren't they? Do-it-yourselfers. We like doing everything. It's all part of our heritage of like coming out and pioneering the country. And, um, and my son-in-law, Kieran, when I first met him, he had a car that he... Not, I don't, does anyone here like have a name for their car? A few, you're like, you know, oh, yeah, lots of you do. Well, his car was the Golden Wags. And the Golden Wags was a, really was a pile of snot. It was just horrible. But, but the clutch broke on it one time, and I said, oh, let's have a look at it. Climbed under there, and I thought, I reckon we can fix this. And guess what I fixed it with? Number eight wire. Number eight wire. <laughs> but, but as Kiwis, we, we just like doing things ourselves. We're independent. Don't like asking for help. I mean, that might just be for me, but... The, um, but this can mean that we can choose not to get the benefit of the counsel of the saints. It wouldn't be great if we had questions flying around like, hey, you know, your kids seem to be doing well. Like, what did you do with your teenagers? You know, like, hey, you seem to, like, not be that stressed around the sort of the money thing. Like, what have, what have you learned along the way? Hey, what should I be looking for in a spouse? How do I get on with my grumpy boss? In counsel of the saints. And around decisions, big decisions. What a, there's a lot of wisdom in this room. Proverbs 12, 15, the wise person listens to advice. 
Proverbs 20, 18, make plans by seeking advice. Okay, the fourth, fourth thing here, uh, CS, is circumstantial signs. You know, sometimes God opens doors. Sometimes God closes doors. You know, there's real wisdom in praying and watching. God moves in mysterious ways. And the fifth one is common sense. Read in Second Timothy, it says, when Paul's encouraging Timothy, he just says, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So there's some help for us all today around making decisions. Um, but, you know, in Luke 5 and 6, there's this other punchline. I think, you know, one of the punchlines is that Jesus prayed, and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he knew who these 12 were meant to be. But there's this other thing that's going on with, uh, in Luke 5 and 6 as well, which is why it sort of bounces in and out of gathering disciples and into this thing of Jesus doing different things. Because, and Luke is also saying that this is a pretty strong message from Jesus as well. You know, because last week we looked at how Jesus reminded the Pharisees, hey, there's times to pray and fast, but there's times to party. And the Pharisees are locked in on thinking that following God was about um, following the rules and being miserable and that I can't make a mistake because God won't like me. And, and, and they also had a bit of a problem with, like, I like showing off my spiritual spirituality to others because it's like it, it feeds my ego and Jesus was saying like you know come on open your eyes and your hearts because what you're believing you've you've got it wrong you've taken the heart God's intent for having relationship with people you've taken it and you've just turned it into like this this crushing burden of rules and regulations and you know God had had told his people, rest on the Sabbath. One day a week, just down tools and rest. But as time went on, everyone's kind of like, what does it mean to work? Because we don't want to get it wrong, because then God won't like me. So let's figure out what work was. And they came out with these 39 things that were work. But then they were, and one of them was like going on a, on a long journey, you know, that's work. And then they figured out, well, but then we've got to bring some more clarity around it. So like, because you have to walk a little bit. So like, how far can you walk before it becomes work? And it just, they just boiled it all down to um, what couldn't, couldn't be done. Listen to this. A person was not allowed to prepare food or go on a journey on the Sabbath with these kind of extra rules that people put around it. If they had to walk somewhere, they could only walk a maximum of 3,000 feet. It's about, about a kilometre, I guess. But the guidelines also stated that a journey could be divided up by meals. So on Friday, some Jewish people went and deposited a meal, 3,000 feet, so that they could walk 3,000 feet and then eat the meal and then go another 3,000 feet. <laughs> 
And that way they could walk without technically breaking all of these, these rules. But it had just, and Jesus was looking at this and like, guys, you've, you're missing all of this. It was just, God was just saying, it's a good thing to rest. <laughs> and you've turned it into this weighty, oh no, I walked 3,010 feet. Oh, like God's not going to like me. Luke 6 verse 1 says this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Why was it unlawful on the Sabbath? Because threshing the grain was work. I mean, it sounds a little bit like stealing, eh? Like walking through a field and just like Jesus is like, and his mates are just like helping themselves. But there was actually rules, you can see it back in Deuteronomy, that allowed for people, if they were hungry, to be able to go through any field and be able to just help themselves. That's like part of the deal. So you read it and go like, Jesus is like, like no, it's, it's, all, it's all legit. But, but all they're doing, I don't know if you've ever um, got grain from kernels, but it's just... You just sort of rub it together in your hands and the grains come out and the grains you can eat them and it just and it's great. So obviously someone was watching them. They might have had spies following around, like, what's he gonna do on the Sabbath this time? Naughty Jesus. And and they go, Hey, what are you doing? Threshing the grain. And Jesus just said, Have you never read what David did? This is King David, who was one of the obviously the heroes of of the, in the history of the people of Israel. You never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, taking the consecrated bread. He ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So they, off they go grumbling. Jesus is just so, you know, he, just, he always just knew people's hearts. And then there was the healing of a man with a shriveled right, right hand. It's like, it's like this, and this really showed the distorted hearts of the, of the Pharisees. They were just so hung up on doing things right that they'd missed the whole thing of, of love and, um, and care and concern for people and for God. So this... There's the story of this shriveled hand, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. Listen, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious. Like, what's wrong with you? And began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. You know, they were so locked on onto these things that they had been taught and the habits that they had formed that they couldn't see Jesus inviting them into a better way. They just couldn't see it. They were furious that a man with a shriveled hand had been healed. I mean, that's like, you just celebrate those things. They just couldn't see it. And then this is why Jesus told the story of the wineskins. Now, I know that for... Many people will teach about the wineskins and they'll say it's all about the new covenant is the new wine and the old covenant is the old wine. The Jewish people are the old wineskins and the new Christians, the people that are going to follow Jesus, is the new wineskins. And it talks about how you don't put 
new wine and old wineskins because that doesn't work and uh, it just, they stretch and, and then it's all over. So, um, but he also says that anyone who has tasted the old doesn't want the new. And, and so people will say, most people, a lot of scholars, and then, but this is changing with, you know, as people really look at this, they say, no, it's just about, it's about grace and the law. It's about the new thing that God is doing compared to the old thing. But then it doesn't explain like how the, all of the early Christians were, were Jewish people. And the scripture says that anyone who has tasted the old doesn't want the new. But in reality, heaps of people that had tasted the old, Jewish people, they saw the new and they go, no, we want that. So that is a little bit, it just doesn't quite connect there. And it's interesting that back in, the, um, in that time, there was some Jewish teaching that many of them would have been familiar about, which would have talked about how that people who have learned something in life and have, and have locked into it um, find it very difficult when something fresh is presented to them that um, is actually, the, is actually a, a better way or a writer a way they just can't grab a hold of it because they're just so locked into it. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that the, the old wineskins are people who have learnt things in their life and they're going, I am so convinced about this, I am locked into it. And they just can't take anything new. It just doesn't work. But Jesus, and then he's, Jesus is saying that, so for them, the old wine and the old wineskins, it fits. But Jesus is saying that if you're willing to as a person, to learn and to grow and to, um, to continue to be uh, able to uh, question and, and learn from people that are t- you know, moving ahead in, in understanding, then, then you will be able to, you know, you are there a new wineskin and you will be able to uh, take on new wine. And that makes sense. And so, like, the, and that was a, an understood uh, teaching within the Jewish people, so that when he said, like, anyone who has tasted the old doesn't want the new, everyone goes, oh, of course, yeah, it's those people that, that have, yeah, they've, they've locked into the old way of thinking. Yeah, you know, we understand what you're saying. And this whole chapter 5 and 6 of Jesus choosing his disciples, when you see it in this light, what's happening there is he's actually doing a lot of these things and watching his disciples to see how they respond. He's choosing 12. He needs 12 people that have got leadership skills but are also open to this new thing that, that God is doing. And not really a new thing. It was, just, it was just bringing back clarity to God's intention for mankind right from the start that, that he would redeem his people and, make, uh, and have a relationship with them. So when he's going through... The, you know, and they're threshing the grain, he's probably looking. There was probably some followers going like, whoa, 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 what are we doing? What are we doing? We can't be doing this on the Sabbath. When he heals this man's hand, he's probably looking around at his followers and just seeing, like, any of you guys have any problem with this? And then he goes up to the mountainside to pray. And chooses the twelve. You know, these and other stories throughout the script, the, the Gospels we read that Jesus was looking for people who weren't hung up by the rules. 
and there's some real wisdom for for us here. You know, are we are we a people that move forward in life with a with a heart open to learn and to grow? Um, we've got Justin and I. I've got a friend that um, I think when he's just it was around when he was 40, and um, we were just talking about, oh mate, you've got to read this book. This is just so so. You know, just you know, light, light bulbs came on, and he says, oh look, I've I'm I'm pretty done. I've I've learned everything that I feel like I need to know for life, and so I'm, I'm done. I'm good. And that was it. He's locked it in. I'm like, wow. So I just know that for me is that over my journey of faith, it's, I've, it's grown my, my, as, I've, as I've studied theology, and I've, like, oh, I've, I've learned some things compared to when I first became a Christian. It was all very simple and black and white. And, um, but I have... My understanding of, of faith and prayer and, and miracles and leadership and walking with God has just grown and evolved. And there's some things that I believe now that I believe is a more, uh, a more mature understanding is different than what I believed as a brand new Christian. A number of you were here uh, a few weeks back. We had Peter Fitch here, who's a vineyard pastor from Canada. And we've just been emailing back and forth, and uh, he's just been getting some books, and he's talking about this one book by James Cone, and his email says this, I also think it is a very valuable, it was very valuable for me to read James Cone's The Cross and the Lynching Tree. This book is changing my priorities. He's 65 years old. I just love that. And, uh, you know, John Wimber, who's the founder of the, of the Vineyard Movement, there was no Christians in his family for four generations. And he had a remarkable conversion to God. And he was an incredibly um, smart man. And he, um, and much of what we see in the vineyard has come out of just um, him and, and others just thinking about church and faith and life and ministry and the Holy Spirit and, and leadership. And uh, there's a wonderful book if you'd love to read about um, and, and understand uh, a lot more about what the vineyard's all about. There's a book called Living in the Future um, by a guy called uh, Doug Erickson. And uh, the subtitle is The Kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit in the Vineyard Movement. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful book about, um, about the heart of, of who we are around our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Because some, like, the, um, the evangelicals think the vineyard's Pentecostal and the Pentecostals think the vineyard's evangelical and, and, uh, and it's helpful. But it says in this book about Wimber, as he was raised in an atheistic family with no churchgoers in the previous four generations, his perspective of church was largely as an outsider, especially to the form of Protestant evangelicalism in Southern California in the 1960s. The importance of Wimber's not growing up within the evangelical subculture cannot be underestimated. It changed the way he thought about every aspect of church. And through the vineyard, the vineyard has has been a part of bringing renewal to the whole church worldwide. It's a great book if you wanted to read it. So let me just finish with this. As, As followers of Jesus, we're invited to live our lives differently. You know, when it comes to big decisions, it's not about like what's gonna give me the most fortune or the most fame or the most security. As Christians, we go, God, what are you leading me into? What are you calling me forward into? Just been reading another wonderful book uh, by Jared Sitzer called um, Waters from a Deep Well. 
talking about um, tying in church history. It's a, it's a wonderful book of the, this, um, the Holy Spirit and spirituality throughout the, uh, the centuries of churches. Um, and uh, I don't even know why I started talking about that now. Oh, just, um, just this last chapter I was talking about well, it was, was called Entitled Risk. And it was all about the missionaries of the last probably 200 years. Because they weren't really missionaries. There's a little bit, but the missionary, like, let's go and, and to the, out to the whole world has been primarily a thing from the last 200 years. And just story after story of people that have just, just given their all to Jesus and said, I'll go anywhere. Deepest, darkest Africa, genuinely. Um, men, women, old, young, remarkable. Just, just gave everything, poured their lives out to see others come to faith. But... But we're called to live our lives differently. God, where would you lead me? What would you lead me into? Who have you got for me to be my life partner? What, what job are you leading me? Is it, is it this one I'm in to stay? Good. If it's not, then lead me. I love hearing of young people that they, they've just got this, um, this vision to make a difference in the world. Like, you know, they know that the planet's, you know, getting pretty stuffed. And they're just like, I, I want to make a difference either in the environment or with people or um, poverty, with um, injustice. And they're making sacrifices through their 20s so that they can then make this difference um, in their 30s and 40s. I love hearing those stories. God, how can I use the gifts you've given me to make a difference in this, in this hurting world? Who are you connecting me to? So I just encourage all of us to be people when we have decisions in front of us to make them as best we know how Lining up with the leading of God, you know, like God, what are you saying? What do, what do I, you know, the counsel of the saints? What are you? I'm thinking about doing this. Hey, buddies, let's get together. Like I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Your friends will usually know before you what the what the right thing is to do. They'll tell you. But let's take the wisdom of the counsel of the saints, circumstantial signs, compelling spirit, the commanding scriptures, and common sense. And as we're doing this. Let's be people that live a life with open hearts to learning and growing to what God would have for us. I would hope that all of us, every 10 years, would go like, I'm so glad that I've grown and learned and there's, there's things that I've moved into. It feels like I'm more mature. I've got a, a deeper sense of an understanding of, uh, of life and faith and ministry and, uh, and relationships. So, so that is the wisdom of Luke five and six for us this morning.